and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the church today, and how the gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatzak with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. Call us a fast society, an efficient society, but don't call us a personal society. Our society is set up for isolation. We wear earbuds when we exercise. We communicate via email and text messages. Our mantra, I leave you alone, you leave me alone. Yet God wants his people to be an exception. Let everyone else go the way of computers and keyboards. God's children will be people of hospitality. Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. The believers met together in the temple every day. They ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. Every day in the temple and in people's homes, they continued teaching the people and telling the good news that Jesus is the Christ. The primary gathering place of the church was in the home. Now today we meet in the Archbishop's Corner, and we recall the words of Jesus that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. For the early Christian community, the house was the primary gathering place, the Eucharist was celebrated, and where the gospel was shared. Today we meet in the Archbishop's Corner to celebrate God's Word and break open a new understanding of the gospel as we look to Archbishop Leonard Blair to open our hearts and minds to God's Word. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. How are you today? Just fine, thank you. Well, I understand you've brought along a special guest to be with us today. Would you do us the honor of introducing our guest? I am very happy to introduce Valerie Mara, who is the um, person responsible, uh, in great part, as uh, for our schools, as superintendent of Catholic schools for the Archdiocese of Hartford. And, you know, as much as I like having the show, The Archbishop's Corner, from time to time, I think it's very important uh, to get a wider perspective of the life of the Archdiocese. And certainly Catholic education is a huge part of that. And who better than Val, <laughs> who is so dedicated and experienced in this, to give us some insights into what's going on these days. This is so true. Val, it's wonderful having you on board today. Oh, well, thank you, Father. It's you've, certainly an honor and a pleasure. You've been the superintendent of Catholic schools for how long now? Superintendent, I'm thinking it's just about a year, perhaps you, a little under a year, but have been in Catholic education for over 30 years, so quite a while. And most of those years with the Archdiocese of Hartford. Yes, absolutely. Well, today is the start of National Catholic Schools Week, the annual celebration of Catholic education in the United States. And schools yes. typically observe the annual celebration week with masses and open houses, other activities for students and families, parishioners, community members. Uh, talk for a few minutes about the value of Catholic education it provides to our young people and its contributions to, to our church and communities. Uh, let Before Val, uh, who is eminently qualified to answer that question. I just want to say that, you know, COVID has kind of put a damper on some of the events that typically accompany mm -hmm. Catholic Schools Week. And I don't know, Val, if this uh, year I'm going to be able to do something or not. I don't think well, so. Well, we are honored that you are going to be visiting one of our elementary schools. Oh, that's right. I am and going to be able to. You are in West Hartford, and we certainly are going to ensure that all of the safety measures are in place um, and you'll get to see in action how these students continue to thrive in this very difficult time and we're so blessed that you'll be saying mass at east catholic 
That's right. You see, my yes. feeble brain and my old age, I forgot. Well, you've got a lot uh, going on, too. You don't have to make excuses. <laughs> uh, I'd forgotten that is true. That's on the calendar to visit yes. those two schools. Yes. So I just want to say that I'm, that's a, a, a good thing, that uh, we're maybe seeing the light at the end of the tunnel uh, about the cancellation and postponement of so many things. But with that little uh, tidbit, <laughs> uh, please uh, go ahead. Well, it's, you know, to celebrate Catholic schools, we put this week aside nationally as recognized as Catholic schools week, but the celebration of Catholic schools is something that is embraced every day. The value of a Catholic education is something that is more than the curriculum that is written. And I will tell you that the curriculum in the Archdiocese of Hartford is one that is recognized nationally through New England Association of Schools and Colleges, and it's used nationally and internationally. It is grounded in basic skills. It's grounded in those foundational skills that every child needs in order to learn and meet with success. And when you have a solid foundation like that, you can build any innovative program you want. But more than that, it's rooted in our faith. And mm. our kids need faith now more than ever. Isn't Anybody that the can. Truth, huh? it, it's, it's incredibly true now more than ever, and I have said before that our kids need our Catholic schools now more than ever, and the world needs our kids who will bring Christ into it. One, sure. of, one of the things that you advertise in the Office for Catholic Schools is that there is something greater here. What, mm -hmm. What's the difference in Catholic education? What's the greater here? You know, the greater piece is we, ha we recognize we have this wonderful curriculum, but it's more than the what. It's the how is it delivered and by whom. And it's the people that make it different. It is the fact that every child who walks through the door, and you'll see this, Archbishop, when, when you walk into any one of our schools, where every teacher is going to know the name of every child. Mm. They are seen. And in this time, Father, when we do, we observe that everybody has to be in a mask, it's so easy for kids to hide behind that mask. So we make every effort to make sure that these children are called by name, that we see them for who they are as a child of God. We teach them not according to any political ideology. We teach them that we recognize the dignity of every human being. They learn, Catholic social teachings are embedded in everything that is taught every day, that every child has value, that culture is not canceled, it is celebrated. We look for the beauty and the truth in culture and in every child who walks through the doors. And, you know, as a parent myself, um, although mine are having children of their own now, um, no, that, that is a, uh, yes, I'm proud to say, that is a gift beyond compare. So when we say there's something greater here, um, these children know that they're a child of God and they're loved unconditionally, and, and there's a big amen at the end of that. If I might add, I think sure. that, uh, uh, you know, we have always said in Catholic education, the religious uh, dimension is not just about the uh, instruction in religion, right? but it permeates uh, everything. It's a Catholic view of the human person, of life and society, all the beauty of Catholic social teaching. You know, I think sometimes we don't appreciate that the Catholic faith uh, in its 2,000 years offers a magnificent view of, of life, a very positive view. We're, we're sometimes caricatured, you know, for you can't do this and you can't do that. But I'm always reminded of what Pope Benedict once said, that for, if, you, if you live this way, it's not just about happiness in heaven. It's about happiness in this world, too, mm -hmm. to live. Obviously, life has its crosses and its disciplines, but that it's about uh, finding meaning and happiness in life. And that's the great treasure of our Catholic faith that I know permeates 
everything. It's not just about religion. Class. No, and that is also the the difference, right? That it it isn't. It, it's not confined to one 40-minute period of the day. We often talk about uh, St. John Paul II, who says peace isn't merely the absence of war, but the mutual respect and confidence between peoples and nations. And that is a piece that is underscore, uh, underscored every day. How do we live with one another to form a peaceful nation where everybody respects and has mm. confidence in one another. We sure need that today. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yep. Now, let me let me make mention of the fact that tomorrow the church celebrates the memorial of St. John Bosco, a saint who reached out to young people to remedy their lack of education, their opportunities, and increase their faith. He educated the whole person, body and soul mm-hmm. united, and believed that Christ's love and our faith in that love should pervade everything. For him, being a Christian was a full-time effort, not a once-a-week Mass on Sunday experience. Archbishop, perhaps this is best answered by you. How can we be like St. John Bosco and search for Jesus in everything we do? Well, I suppose one thing I would say, if you look at the lives of the saints, you know, uh, there are many, particularly in the 19th century, but also the 20th and even earlier, of great women and men who founded religious communities precisely for the care and education of young people. The great teaching orders, religious orders, and sadly, uh, they've all but disappeared today. There, I mean, there are obviously still uh, uh, sisters and brothers who teach and priests but greatly diminished, but they are replaced uh, by wonderful lay people like mm. Val and so many others in our system yeah. who are doing this. But I guess it's about a vision, you know, that these uh, these saints had for, for young people. As you mentioned, St. John Bosco is a, a very striking example, but there are others as well. And I guess the challenge for us today is how do we still do that, mainly with lay people who don't live a religious life, and are not able to to do it in that way, but how do we make it possible for them to do it? Uh, And of course, they also require a a decent salary for their families, uh, you know, and maintenance. And uh, that's all part of the, the the big changes in Catholic education over the over over time. Well, the question that I have for you, Val, is yeah. uh, according to what the Archbishop said about the motivation of Saint John Bosco, what motivates you to be involved in Catholic education today? Oh, for me, I know that um, we all have a mission. And it has always been clear to me since I was a child that um, I was called to educate. I will always be a teacher. It doesn't matter what other role I may have, whether it was principal or assistant superintendent or superintendent, I will always be a teacher. Because to look into the eyes of a child and see the face of God is truly uh, remarkable. And I believe if we can change the lives and impact for the positive and the good, make a difference in the lives of as many children as we can, then it will be a life well led. This <laughs> Wednesday is Groundhog Day. And this day comes from the old belief that if the groundhog sees his shadow when he emerges on this day, six weeks of winter will ensue. Let's hope that neither Chuckles in Connecticut or Punxsutawney Phil in Pennsylvania see their shadow so spring can arrive promptly. Would you agree, Val? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Spring is the time for rebirth, so of course. Now, there's a profound educational question from Father John. <laughs> True. Back on track to okay. a- ask this question. How have Catholic schools faced this pandemic crisis, and how have you prevailed through it all? 
what has driven every decision we have made, Father, is, and Archbishop knows this well, and he has supported our efforts from the very beginning, is we will always look at the science and the data and then ensure every decision we make is what is best for the students that we serve. We will keep our teachers safe and our administrators safe, but we knew from the very beginning that kids needed to be in school. We are hardwired to connect mm-hmm. as human beings. They need to be with one another. They will not thrive in isolation. It's hard enough with masks in front of their faces, but to separate them, I'm concerned, will cause result in a different kind of pandemic with our kids. So our schools, we can talk about all the mitigation strategy, which they do uh, maximally, but the piece is to remember to celebrate the students and to find reasons and opportunity to celebrate in our schools. So many, you read the statistics about kids who are suffering more than ever from anxiety and depression, the suicide rates, dear Jesus. And what we are cognizantly doing, intentionally doing, is finding reasons to celebrate because per our our faith tells us when there's joy, there's hope. And if we can bring joy into their lives while they're facing all of this crisis, then there's hope. And where there's hope, there is less cause for depression and anxiety. So those are the things that um, you will see. And Archbishop, again, you, I think you will notice that when you, when you come to visit that, of course, we deal on a one-to-one basis with every child, but we are not just surviving this pandemic. We are thriving, and we want to ensure that our students thrive. They've had no instructional loss. We have made gains instructionally, and that is tribute to our fabulous teachers. But more than that, is you said it yourself, Father, mind, body, and spirit. It's the whole child that we continue yeah. to serve, and I believe that our schools have done it brilliantly. So we've never had to. Uh, there's been occasionally a school that had to shut down for a little bit, but uh, certain uh, classes have had to quarantine. But we haven't had to close a school. Yeah, through all of this. Through all of this. I've recently read that many dioceses across the country are reporting a significant increase in enrollment for the academic year. For instance, the Diocese of Providence is reporting an increase of almost five percent in enrollments this year. Many say that it has to do with a strong in-school response to COVID-19. Has the Archdiocese of Hartford experienced such an enrollment increase? We have, about to the same degree. Um, And what we have noticed, perhaps more significantly, is during that first year, many families wanted in-person instruction. And honestly, to the credit of families, they are doing all they can to hold down two jobs in some cases. And how are they going to continue to preserve employment when they have to be home with their child who's learning at home? So they did send their children to our schools. What is more telling is that they stayed. So once they were in the school and sitting in the seats in the classrooms, it wasn't just one year and they returned to their previous school. They're staying. And I think that's probably a more telling statistic. Let's take a look at our gospel reading on this Sunday when we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time, the 30th day of January. And today's reading is from Luke's Gospel, the fourth chapter. After the gospel is presented in a dramatic fashion, then we'll talk with Archbishop Blair and ask for his thoughts. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Is not this Joseph's son? Doubtless. You will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here also in your own country. Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own country. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, 
when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when there came a great famine over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and put him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down headlong. But passing through the midst of them, he went away. Archbishop, what's the message of this gospel? Well, the message of this gospel is that Jesus is a sign of contradiction, that he came into the world uh, and the world received him not, but to his own who did receive him, as the prologue of John's gospel said, he made, they became children of God. So uh, already at the very beginning here of Luke, we know where this is headed, that Jesus is uh, destined to be rejected and crucified because not all accept him. So this is a drama, a spiritual reality that continues until the end of time, that God in his infinite love uh, reaches out to us, speaks to us, to the sinful human person, inviting them to conversion and faith. But as f having the freedom that we do to love or not to love, to believe or not to believe, to hope or not to hope, Jesus was, uh, from the beginning, rejected by some and believed by others. And thus it shall always be. Well, today's gospel is a continuation of the one that we read last Sunday. Jesus is still in the synagogue at Nazareth. He's commenting on the scripture. The people are impressed, but then another thought occurred to them. We know this man. He's Joseph's son. We've known him all of his life. He's no big deal. And so they dismiss him as irrelevant. That's what prompted Jesus to say, no prophet is accepted in his own native place. Is there a lesson in that for us? Well, there's a little bit more to it uh, as well, that uh, Jesus uh, talks about um, God's providence and healing extending to those who are not Jews. And that's what really got the people mm. uh, in the synagogue filled with fury, as it says, because Jesus made an unfavorable comparison by saying how their hardness of heart of the chosen of these chosen people in that synagogue compared to a Gentile uh, in the past with the prophet Elisha who did what the prophet asked. So this, of course, is also a, a sign of what is to come, that Jesus uh, came not just for the nation, uh, but to, to, to bring together all uh, uh, God's people uh, uh, of every race and nation, which was not something that these people at the time wanted to hear or would accept. Well, the service degenerated into a riot. The congregation becomes an angry mob bent on murder. They drive Jesus out of town. They want to throw him over a cliff to his death. They lived in the same town with Jesus, and they failed to recognize his quality. Isn't this what we do? They lived in the presence of greatness and never knew it. What about us? Well, God is always present to us, and God speaks to us in many ways. And he speaks to us also through the people and events that we encounter in life. And with the eyes of faith, we can see uh, how we ought to respond in faith. But sometimes people are blind. You know, that's the, that's the biblical word for it, that sin makes you blind. And if you won't allow Christ to open your eyes, then you're destined to remain in darkness. And that's illustrated uh, in this case uh, in the gospel. We've got several questions that have been submitted by our listeners. And uh, many of these questions, what people are saying about our school system. 
For instance, Natalie from Windsor says, I've been on the fence considering whether or not to send my son to Catholic school. He excels academically but has had a hard time making friends at school. How might a Catholic environment help him thrive socially? Father, I I certainly can give you many examples of parents who have walked through our doors for that reason. Uh, Myself, when I was a principal, I had a child in middle school who came to our doors. Uh, He was bullied something fierce um, because of his size and and whatnot, a large child. And um, he was embraced in our school. We found that because he knew he was in a safe place, that he was able to uncover some of his talents. In fact, he loved to play the flute, which no one knew. And at a concert at the end of the year, when he did a a solo with his flute, there wasn't a dry eye in the school. Every child is taken where they are. And teachers in administration, but certainly mostly the teachers because they're with them every minute of the day, they take the time to know their students. And what are your interests? What are your gifts? And we spend so much time teaching the students how to recognize those gifts in one another. That makes all the difference. I would like to share one story of um, at, at a high, one of our high schools where the school was challenged about how do you, how do you address racism? And the child, the student, responded after a time and said, at my school, this is not something that you just write a policy and expect it to go away. Or you check a box and say, no, it doesn't exist. We have an environment where students can talk to one another, with one another. The teachers are part of that conversation, and the administration is part of that conversation. It is only through education that we're going to change the minds and the hearts of people. And that came from the child. That came from the student. That's an example of the outcome of a Catholic education. So I would say to Natalie, um, there are wonderful schools in the Windsor area, most certainly. I would encourage her to check out the school because while we excel academically, there's no question, I don't need to recite our scores. Um, More than that, one of the reasons why so many students excel is because the whole child is nurtured and cared for, and they know they're in a safe place. You know, let me ask you, how do, how do, is there a policy for handling bullying in our Catholic schools? Most certainly, of course. Uh, that's something, it's not tolerated. We do have a policy that, that speaks to it. Um, we hope to address these situations before it gets to the point of bullying, which is, of course, targeting one person over the course of time. Uh, So yes, we certainly have a policy about it. But again, as this child said, it's not the policy that's going to change the culture of a school. It's going to be how are we working with students? How are we engaging them in conversation with one another? And that is certainly something that we do. May I share one more story? Because it's just the uh, an example of this. And we look at through all of this through the pandemic, through all of the challenges that we see and hear about on the news, Examples of how our students are formed, the whole child, spiritually, certainly academically, physically, socially. Just a couple days ago, I was at a basketball game and at one of our high schools. Toward the end of the game, it was clear that there was a student on the other bench that had some, some special education needs. Um, and he was sitting there. He didn't get any playing time. And the coach of our school went over to the other coach and said, you know, put him in. It'll be okay. Our kids will be fine. They put him in. And I have to tell you, out of everybody that was there, and basketball is competitive in our schools, they passed him the ball. 
they ensured he got the opportunity to play. And wouldn't you know it, toward the end of the game, he's standing on the three-point line. He takes a shot, and it goes in. Wow. He sinks it. Well, let me tell you, it was no longer one school playing against a rival school. It was one team supporting this one child. And it was just moving. It, it, the fans erupted from both sides. The fans erupted. And... Um, Good comes if we listen to the kids. Mm -hmm. Good comes. Many adults would learn from the examples of the kids quite often. So I was I was impressed by both teams, to be quite honest. With and you. doesn't that make you proud, huh? Doesn't oh that my gosh! Wow. I'm sitting here saying yeah, I want to go over there and, and give them all a hug, but of course I can't do that. <laughs> Archbishop, your comment? Yes. Well, I mean, I, I, all I can think of is when I hear a story like that. That that's what our whole country needs right now. You know, mm. there's just so much bitterness, alienation, even hatred, violence, all this stuff. You know, this is the kind of thing we need to not only celebrate when it happens, but need to encourage. And to the extent that, and you know, there are a lot of people of goodwill in many places, but to the extent that our Catholic schools can do this, and we're so committed, and everything we do is geared toward creating that kind of atmosphere, it's all for the good. Brenda from West Haven has a question. Brenda says, I'm afraid that my children won't fit in at a Catholic school because I don't see many black students attending. Would they feel welcome? Are you doing anything to attract more students of color? We have great diversity in our schools. Um, in the West Haven area, we have St. Lawrence School with uh, great diversity. Um, it, I will say it's not our diversity that makes us strong. It's how all of the students unite as one, as children of God, that makes us strong. But there is great diversity. There is no question that a child of any race or color or ethnicity um, would be accepted and welcomed. They are all, all welcomed. Again, you have only to walk into the school, talk to the kids. They'll, they'll tell you. Talk to the teachers. Talk to the kids. Um, they will tell you that... They recognize and celebrate everyone, and that it, it sounds ide ideological what I'm saying. But if you walk through the doors and see it for yourself, um, you will experience it and say, "I know what she's talking about." Well, let me ask a question about if you Val about this. Obviously, er, attitudes uh, toward uh, diversity of uh, particularly of race, uh, a lot of that uh, formation comes from the family, from the home, and I would think that. The, the parents who send their kids to a Catholic school would have a very healthy uh, sense of this, you know, because it's one thing for the school to say something about it. It's another thing if at home there's some counter message. Do you find, though, that, that generally our, our kids come from homes where there's not this kind of prejudice and where, where people are open to this diversity? Because as you say, a, a lot of our schools do have a, a, a diversity. Most certainly. And we recognize, of course, that parents are the primary educators of their children. They are partners in education. The families um, are part of the education of their child in our schools. So when they choose a Catholic school, they understand the mission and what they are choosing when, when they walk through the doors of a Catholic school. So I agree with you completely. They want to be part of that mission. They want their child to experience this education where we see you as a child of God. We celebrate culture and we celebrate every race and ethnicity. It is a reason we see the beauty and the truth there, but they understand that this is what they want for their child. And often they don't, they may choose a Catholic school as opposed to a public school or a different kind of private school because they, they want the mission of the Catholic school. So, yes, is the short answer to your question. Yeah, and I think we have to acknowledge in the sinful world that people are not perfect, we're no, not perfect, no. and sometimes there are things that happen right. that contradict right. what we 
believe or, or everything we stand for, but I think uh, there too, uh, we don't just uh, sweep that under the rug we, or ignore it, I should say, or, right. or, or gloss over it, but we're very proactive. You're right. Uh, what will define us is how we respond to situations like that. Yeah. It, it, it may happen. Nobody is perfect, but when it's brought to our attention, it's how are we going to address it? How do we sometimes say, I'm sorry, and how do we proactively go forward in a positive way, engaging people, again, like St. John Paul II said, with mutual respect and confidence in one another, that we, we will address this positively and make this better. We all have room to improve and grow. We've been talking about race and ethnicity. John has a question. John is from West Hartford, and he says, I've heard that Catholic schools can be preachy and try to convert students to Catholicism. Is this true? I don't mind my child learning about the Catholic faith, but I'm apprehensive about her feeling forced to practice the faith. That's an interesting question. We are unapologetically Catholic. Mm -hmm, Um, We do have an evangelizing mission, certainly. We accept every child um, who walks in as they are. Often they make that choice on their own. We don't set out... To proselytize. Correct. Correct. Um, Because then it's forced. That's that's not what it's all about. Right. That's not what it's all about. We've been in the Archbishop's Corner with Archbishop Leonard Blair, the Archbishop of Hartford, and Valerie Mara, the Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Archdiocese of Hartford, as we are celebrating the beginning of Catholic Schools Week. Val, it's been wonderful having you. Um, Archbishop, can you close the program with a prayer and a blessing? I wish we had more time. Lord, we thank you for the gift of all of our children. Uh, Unless we become as children, uh, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. But we know that It's not about being childish, but being childlike, having utter trust in you, Lord, and treating one another as brothers and sisters. So we pray for your blessing on all the children who are in our archdiocese, whatever their faith, but especially for those attending our Catholic schools and for those who teach them, for all those involved and who support Catholic education. And we ask you to bless us all that we may do your holy will and live a life of faith, hope, and charity. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Archbishop Val, thank you very much for uh, having this wonderful program. And good luck in Catholic Schools Week. We wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating Catholic Schools with us. Enjoy this week. Thank you, Father. Thank you.